Howdy, folks. This is the Words of Truth from the Scriptures podcast. I'm Brian Yeager. We're going to be talking about abusing authority today. When we look at the existence of mankind from the time that God created male and female on this earth, man has been given positions or roles of authority. In the very first chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 31, God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him male and female created he them and God blessed them and God said unto them be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth and God said behold I've given you every green herb bearing seed which is upon the face of the earth and every tree and which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed to you it shall be for meat and to every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the air and to everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life i have given every green herb for meat and it was so and god saw everything that he had made and behold it was very good and the evening and the morning were the sixth day Obviously, there's more detail in the creation account if you read the first two chapters of Genesis, like how woman was made from man, etc. But there's the gist of it. And the gist of it is God said, I'm going to give man authority, dominion over the fish and the, the birds of the air and, and the things that walk upon the earth. As you go through the scriptures, you see different roles in which are outlined, like the role of civil government. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 17, Christians are and were instructed, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. So you can see that the role of authority is given there, as well as the fact that Christians are supposed to submit to civil authority. Now, you know, there are balances to that. There are times where civil authorities will abuse their power. And in such cases, like the Jewish council in Acts 4 and Acts 5, where they commanded the apostles not to preach anymore in the name of Jesus Christ, the apostles did not obey their authority because it's, you ought to obey God rather than men, Acts 5, 29. Uh, and, and when we get to the conclusion of our lesson, We'll bring about a scripture that kind of puts that all into perspective. Aside from civil authority, there's household authority. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 through chapter 4, verse 1, says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. 
Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servant, o servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men." knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So you can see the hierarchy in the home there, the husband, and then the wife, and then the master over the servant, the child in subjection to the parents, etc. But in that, you also saw, and it's going to be really the heart of our lesson, though it's it's not going to be the focal point to be specific to the home, but you saw the husband's not to be bitter against the wife. You saw that, that the husband is not to use his authority in an abusive manner to where uh, you provoke your children to rank anger uh, so that they're not discouraged. So you've already got uh, even in the instructed instruction, you already have some embedded uh, points just in Colossians 3.18 through 4.1 that deal with the abuse of authority as well. Like God's saying here, I'm giving you authority, but don't take that too far. Don't take that to an extreme, okay? Another role of authority that man has been given is roles in the local congregation. Now, the context that I'm going to uh, be giving you scriptures out of is a context that deals with spiritual gifts. That's the context of 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. You have to understand that as you read that context, specifically 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 13, spiritual gifts were temporary. And thus, so were some of the roles that I'm going to be reading, reading about and what I'm going to give you. With that understanding, some of these roles continue to this day, and you really have to put scriptures in, into a right form of study to arrive at that proper conclusion. We'll talk about that momentarily, but with that, that point in mind, 1 Corinthians 12, 27 through 29 says, Now you're the body of Christ and members in particular. And God has said some in the church, first apostles, secondary prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then the gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversity of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? And, and so you can see here, and this is not a complete list. Uh, we know that there's elders in the church. Uh, Paul gives the evangelist Timothy those qualifications in 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. There were deacons, 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 14, qualifications given there. Uh, elders qualifications in Titus 1, 5 through 9, uh, so forth and so on. So this was not a complete first century uh, list, but as we know, or as you should know, if you're a Bible student, there are not apostles or prophets today. Apostles had to be eyewitnesses of the resurrected Christ. You can see that in Acts chapter 1 when you read verse 12 through the end of the chapter where uh, Judas was replaced and Matthias was put in place. The apostle Paul was an apostle born out of due season. You can see what happened with him in Acts 9, how the Lord appeared to him on the road to Damascus in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 12. Paul refers to himself as an apostle born out of due time. Also points out in that context, 
that he was the last to see Jesus. So there are not going to be apostles uh, today. There are not going to be prophets today. One of the uh, contextual points here in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 is these were spiritual gifts. Well, the Holy Spirit was giving by the laying on of the apostles' hands. You can see that in Acts chapter 8. Um, you could read from Acts chapter 8, verse 5, all the way through the remainder of the chapter. You will also see there the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch. But if you read that without any comments from me, without any explanation, you will see how that man was taught, and then an apostle had to come and lay hands on them so that they could receive the Spirit and then the gifts that followed, also in Acts 19, 1 through 7. So having said all of that, I am just using 1 Corinthians 12, 27 through 29 to establish that God appointed roles in the local church. He says, these are roles of authority that man has. And the first of those was apostles. So there were roles. That's why right from the beginning of the conversions of people into the Christian faith in Acts chapter 2, that's why when they were gladly received the word and baptized and added unto them about 3,000 souls, the very next verse, Acts 2.42, says that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and breaking of bread and prayers, and the context goes on, because the apostles had that role of authority. Now, today, we can clearly see that there are still elders to be in place, for example. Uh, in the first century, there, you know, if you want an interesting Bible study, in the first century, uh, like if you read Acts 20, 28 through 31, which is contextually Paul talking to the elders in Ephesus, there it says the Holy Ghost appointed them to be elders. But as you look through the book of Acts and then, and then later the aforementioned scriptures in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, evangelists later appointed men to be elders based upon those qualifications uh, that were given. Just a little bit of a change that happened in the first century uh, relative to the work of the Holy Spirit and then that being surrendered to men. Uh, you see that evangelists were to continue. Um, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, when the Apostle Paul, when he writes that second letter to Timothy, if you look at chapter 4, verses 1 through 8, you can see he's at the end of his life. In 2 Timothy 2.2, he told Timothy, The things thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same thou commit to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. So not the work of an apostle, but the work of an evangelist to keep teaching, as well as training others to keep teaching. Uh, so we can... We could put some of those things into understanding to see the differences, and you have to study them through and see their roles. Nonetheless, there are roles of authority. Government, household, local church, the institutions that God has appointed, and the scriptures. We see in the scriptures is that with those roles of authority should be the mindset of service so that those roles of authority were not abused. Paul, for example, to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 1.24, he says, Not for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy, for by faith ye stand. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 11, he says, I am become a fool in glorying. You have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended of you. For in nothing am I behind the very chiefest apostles, though I be nothing. So he's saying, look, I'm an apostle and I'm not lesser than they are. In the context, if you read chapters 11 and 12, there are quite a few things that are addressed 
in these contexts, but Paul was concerned that the Corinthians would have received anybody that came preaching another gospel, even false apostles. So he spoke as a fool in that context where he's saying, you're looking at what they've done physically, look at what I've done physically. And, and then there in verse 11, though he's not behind the chief of the apostles, what's he still say? I am nothing. Now we read earlier during that time of spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, 27, the first were the apostles. Well, Paul didn't let that get to his head. He said, I'm nothing. Paul exalted Jesus Christ. You can see that in the first four chapters of 1 Corinthians very, very clearly. He did not want men to be blind followers of him. He wanted men to follow our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. With elders, 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter, who was an elder, writes this, verses 1 through 3, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. Don't abuse that authority, elders. Those elders are supposed to be shepherds, yes, overseers, yes, but they are not supposed to lord over the flock. They're to keep it in the right way. When we look at the uh, New Testament and we're studying through, we see that there is a man who was also God, who walked on the face of this earth, who had the highest position of authority that has ever been or ever will be seen on earth. I want you to think about Jesus. And John 3.35 says, The Father loved the Son and have given all things into his hand. And John 5.22 and 23, For the Father judges no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father which has sent him. Peter preaching, Acts 10, 34 and 36, to Cornelius, Peter opened his mouth, said, Of a truth I perceive God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Nobody will ever have that much authority on earth again. And Jesus is not going to be on earth again, so he's not bringing that authority back to earth again. When our Lord comes, it will be the, that judgment will begin and those who are resurrected will meet him in the air. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18, not on earth. Now, I want you to look at the man who had all authority. Matthew 28, 18 says, in heaven and in earth. And I want you to think about how he did not abuse his authority, how he looked at himself. In John 13, now before the feast of the Passover, I'm just beginning at verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper, laid aside his garments, and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answering and said to him, What I do thou knowest not now, 
but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus said unto him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not to save wash his feet, but is clean every wit, and ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, ye are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, Know ye what I have done unto you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done unto you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. Folks, that is how a position of authority is to be exercised. It's not one that seeks glory and rule over men. It's one that serves. That's what authority is for, for service. Jesus shows us that. You cannot read John 13, 1 through 17 and not walk away with that understanding unless you're just a very dishonest person. Having covered all of that, man has authority, how it should be used. Our podcast is about the abuse of authority. And I'm going to draw your mind back to the Old Testament scriptures, starting with the prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 34 where the shepherds of Israel are abusing their power. In Ezekiel 34, beginning at verse 1 through verse 10, the word Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? Ye eat the fat. Ye clothe you with the wool, ye eat them that are fed, but ye feed not the flock. The diseased have ye not strengthened, neither have ye healed that which was sick. Neither have ye bound up that which was broken, neither have ye brought again that which was driven away. Neither have ye sought that which was lost, but with force and with cruelty have ye ruled them. And they were scattered, because there is no shepherd. And they became meat to all the beasts of the field, when they were scattered, my sheep wandered through all the mountains and upon every high hill. Yea, my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth, and none did search nor seek after them. Therefore, ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, saith the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey, and my flock became meat to every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, Neither did my shepherds search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and fed not my flock. Therefore, O ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand, and cause them to cease from feeding the flock. Neither shall the shepherds feed themselves any more, for I will deliver my flock from their mouth, that they may not be meat for them. How sad. The overseers in Israel... Instead of caring about those that needed shepherding, they only cared about themselves. 
And because of that, the people that needed shepherds suffered. Well, the history of that time tells us that the shepherds in Israel, the pastors, the overseers of Israel, they were very destructive. Jeremiah, the prophet, Jeremiah 23, 1 and 2 says, Woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. Therefore saith the Lord God of Israel against the pastors that feed my people, you have scattered my flock and driven them away, have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doings, saith the Lord. How sad. It says these shepherds or these pastors they weren't looking after God's sheep, the ones that they had oversight of. No, they scattered them. They drove them away. They were destructive leaders. Later in that chapter, verses 11 through 15, like as we read in Ezekiel 34, notice what Jeremiah 23, 11 through 15 says, For both prophet and priest are profane. Yea, in my house have I found their wickedness, saith the Lord. Wherefore, their ways shall be unto them as the slippery ways in the darkness. They shall be driven on and fall therein, for I will bring evil upon them, even the year of their visitation, saith the Lord. And I have seen folly in the prophets of Samaria. They prophesied in Baal and caused my people Israel to err. I have seen also the prophets of Jerusalem, an horrible thing. They commit adultery and walk in lies. They strengthen also the hands of evildoers, that none doth return from his wickedness. They are all of them unto Sodom and the inhabitants thereof of Gomorrah. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts concerning prophets, Behold, I will feed them with wormwood and make them drink the water of gall. For from the prophets of Jerusalem is profaneness gone forth into all the land. How terrible. They were profane. The source of wickedness. Instead of correcting the people, instead of gathering them back, they strengthened the hands of evildoers. And you want to know what's compoundingly sad on top of that that the people loved it so oh that just hurts to hear it reminds me of a lot of what i see today i get a little bit into that as we go through this podcast a little bit further but the people then and again like you could see today they were foolish they loved being abused by their leaders i'm going to talk about jeremiah 5 21 through 31 but uh before I do that, I think about what happen, happens in our government. We live in a time where citizens of this country almost expect our government to abuse us, to keep taking tax money and doing terrible things, and things that you and I that have been around for a while would have thought never would have happened in society like the government being able to shut down privately owned businesses has happened. And now you just, I don't think anybody would be surprised if it happened again. Like if all of a sudden some government official, uh, came up with some other kind of threat to humanity and how we need to shut down society for a period of time to eliminate that threat. And what the American people have shown our unrighteous government that abuses their power is that people will lay down and let it happen. 
and almost like here please do it and then people go and reelect those people that abused that power and listen i'm not trying to be political here i am neither a republican or a democrat whether it's the current president or the former president they both abuse their power uh they both do things that are extremely ungodly so don't step back and say, oh, this, this preacher is getting into the realm of politics. There is not a righteous man in this country that's running for political position that I am familiar with. And I'd highly doubt we will see it in the climate that we are in now. I mean, to get, to get political uh, in the climate that we're in now is just, is just kind of ridiculous. There's no such thing as a right position uh, currently. Uh, whether it's Republicans, Democrats, or Independents, the one thing we see about authority in our country is they all know how to abuse it. Here in El Paso, just on the news recently, uh, there has been public uh, officials that had gas cards given to them, and there's investigations over abuses of gas cards. One of our city representatives' husband pumping gas into his pickup truck with uh, the city gas card. And, you, you know, are you surprised? Like, I'm surprised it's not worse. That there's not crazier things uh, going on than that. Well, let me rephrase. There probably are. Well, hey, Brian, are you conspiracy serious? No. But here's been the case for a long time. The world's wicked, First John five nineteen, And our leaders are people of the world. So regardless of political... Uh, affiliation. It's just evil people. Having said that, I, I, I want to bring your attention to Jeremiah 5. And I said all that because now, similar to what we're about to read, there are evil people in rule, both in, in the world and, and still in the world, but called religion. And people love they're evil. It's it's amazing to watch. Jeremiah 5, 21 through 31 shows us this is not new. Hear now this, O foolish people, and without understanding, which have eyes and see not, which have ears and hear not. Fear ye not me, saith the Lord. Will ye not tremble at my presence, which have placed the sand for a perpetual, uh, for the bounded sea by a perpetual degree, that it cannot pass it? And though the waves thereof toss themselves, yet can they not prevail? Though they roar, yet can they not pass over it? But this people hath a revolting and a rebellious heart. They are revolted in God. Neither say they in their heart, Let us now fear the Lord our God, that giveth rain, both the former and the latter, in his season. He reserveth unto us the appointed weeks of the harvest. Your iniquities have turned away these things, and your sins have withholden good things from you. For among my people are found wicked men. They lay wait, as he that set a snares, they set a trap. They catch men. As a cage is full of birds, so are their houses full of deceit. Therefore they are become great and waxen rich. They are waxen fat. They shine. Yea, they overpass the deeds of the wicked. They judge not the cause, the cause of the fatherless, yet they prosper. And the right of the needy do they not judge? 
Shall I not visit these things, saith the Lord? Shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this? A wonderful and horrible thing is committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests rule by their means, and my people love to have it so. What will you do in the end thereof? Oh, that was the leaders of Israel who were supposed to be looking after the, 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 the people as shepherds to the flock and caring for their souls. Instead, they were predators. And even though it was open and obvious, people did not stand against it. In fact, as you heard in Jeremiah 5.31, the people loved to have it so. We see a common thread in a lot of this, both then and now. Like in Jeremiah 5.21-31, through 31, where the poor were not helped, those that needed help were not helped, but the wicked rulers, they were prospering. Micah 3.11 says, The heads thereof judge for reward, and the priests thereof teach for hire, prophets thereof divine for money. Yet will they lean upon the Lord and say, Is not the Lord among us? None evil come upon us? So this gives you the mindset of the priest and the heads of Israel back in times of old. They were money-hungry, covetous thieves. And they did it without a sense of guilt of wrongdoing at all. In fact, would proclaim, is not the Lord among us? Think about that. It reminds me of our nation's leaders who many places in this country in 2020 instructed churches to shut down, but then turn around and use the Lord's name how terrible. How terrible. And act as though they're godly in some manner. This country has never been godly. You know, there are people that sometimes will say, we need to return to our Christian roots. As far as the Bible defines Christianity, this country has never been that, nor anything close to it. The sentiment is that there used to be values that are higher than they are today. And that's not accurate historically either. People have been abused in our country under our government since this country's foundation. And that's just true history. And it will continue to be so going forward because people of the world are wicked Now to the side of the faith. When wicked men are put in position of authority in religion, I don't even want to say, sometimes phrasing stuff gets to be tricky because wicked men are not an authority in the church because at the time when that happens, it's no longer the church. It's now just the world that bears the name pretentiously, of God's people. 
But bear with me for a moment. When there are men, whether it's in the eldership or in roles of teaching and preaching of the gospel, that are hirelings, that view the people as merchandise, because that's what false teachers do, 2 Peter 2, 1 through 3, they're covetous and they look at the people as merchandise, like we see in Israel, they're money hungry and that's all that matters. When I kind of studied a little bit just just for the the record's sake, if you're listening to me for the first time, if you've not been following my website for years, the congregation I labor with in El Paso, we didn't shut down at all for COVID, even though our local community came up with a rule forbidding it. We 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 certainly were not going to fall in line with that. And thankfully, we have a governor, and I'm not saying we have a righteous governor, but we have a governor then and now at the time of this recording that at least stood in and kept the right available for churches to assemble. But our local government here in El Paso, even though I'm in the state of Texas, which happens to be one of the more freer states to live in and the United States of America, uh, our local government, uh, we have a county judge that is a money power hungry uh, crook and uh, he shut down more than even the state allotted. And for a while here locally in El Paso, there was a fight between the mayor that's no longer in place and the county judge over who had authority to open and shut down and the 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 state had to get involved there was even a court case uh where our attorney general had to get involved in the local government here in el paso it was a disaster at the head of it all was power hungry people telling people that are supposed to have the right to choose that you don't have that right anymore same thing happened in churches and the local community I'm in, as well as around the country and the world, where the church leadership decided that the church was not going to assemble. You want to know what's interestingly similar about all of it? As I watch from a distance, because we were assembling here, even, even though they tried to get us not to, uh, watching from a distance, I would listen to... Uh, YouTube channels and, and look at various websites of churches, just kind of getting a pulse of what was going on around the country. I saw churches that identified themselves as members of the body of Christ, as members as the church, that shut down. But you know what they still did? They still, still took online contributions. Don't you find that to be interesting? And though our civil government shut down, you know what they did? They still charged taxes. And though our, our government shut down things, they still wanted the collect money, right? Hmm. What's that tell you about those leaderships? Yo, yeah, you got it. Money is still the root. First Timothy 6, 6 through 10, of all evil. Look back at Isaiah 56, 9 and 12, 9 through 12. It says, All ye beasts of the field come to devour. Yea, and all beasts in the forest, his watchmen are blind. They are ignorant. They are dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yea, they are greedy dogs which can never have enough, and they are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own way, every one for his gain from his quarter. Come, ye say they, 
I will fetch wine, and we will fill ourselves together with strong drink, and tomorrow shall be as this day and much more abundant. Spiritually or physically, this is something that corrupt authority figures have in common. They're going to gain from the people that they're overseeing. And they're going to keep taking and taking and taking and taking. They're not going to do their job. You know, if the shepherds of Israel were doing their job, they had a right to be supported. 1 Corinthians 9, 1 through 14, even in the New Testament. They're not doing their job, but they still want that money. They still want their pockets to be lined. The leaders become predators. In Ezekiel chapter 22, 25 through 31, says, There is a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof. Like a roaring lion ravening the prey, they have devoured souls. They've taken the treasure and precious things. They have made her many widows in the midst thereof. Her priests have violated my law and have profaned my holy things. And they put no difference between the holy and profane. Neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean. And have hid their eyes from my Sabbaths, and I am profaned among them. Her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves, ravening the prey, to shed blood and destroy souls, to get dishonest gain. And her prophets have daubed them with untempered mortar, seeing vanity and divining lies unto them, saying, Thus saith the Lord God, when the Lord hath not spoken, the people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand the gap before me before the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none. Therefore, have I poured out my indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. They have their they their own way. Have I recompense upon their heads, saith the Lord. You hear that? They're leaders as lions, predators. When you look back prior to the days of Jeremiah and Ezekiel, there was a king in Israel and his name was Ahab. And he had a wife named Jezebel. And you know, it's kind of interesting. Same thing you could see in the world of, of politics and, 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 and the church politics that exists too. There may be a man in authority. And yet he, his wife like you see here in, or are going to see here in 1 Kings chapter 21, even though his wife doesn't necessarily have an official role of authority, boy, will she step in and do some stuff. She'll take some authority. I've even seen this, you know, when you look at the scriptures, um, preachers have very limited authority. Authority to set things in order, Titus 1 and verse 5, to teach and, and rebuke and exhort uh, Titus 2 and verse 15, but preachers or otherwise known as evangelists, we are not overseers. We are not elders or pastors, shepherds, bishops. All those terms are uh, interchangeable uh, in the New Testament. We don't have that authority. We're not shepherds of the flock. We're just teachers. We have authority in the realm of teaching. But I've even seen in churches where preachers' wives all of a sudden become like some unofficial position of authority. That's not the way it's supposed to be. You know, what's Peter's wife's name? What's Paul's wife's name? Oh, wait, Paul wasn't married, right? 1 Corinthians 7. Don't you think that's a point in itself? Philip 
was an evangelist. You see, in Acts 21, he's married, has daughters, has a household. What's his wife's name? His wife's name? You don't know. What role of authority did she take? Yeah, none, right? Is Timothy married? We don't know. Titus married? We don't know. Why is that? Because whether or not they're married is irrelevant. And who their wife was, as long as she was, as long as she was in a scriptural married marriage, doesn't matter either. That should be a point, right? But sometimes there's women behind men in positions of authority. First Kings 21 came to pass after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard that was in Jezreel, hard by the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. And Ahab spake unto Naboth, saying, Give me thy vineyard, that I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it is near unto my house, and I will give thee for it a better vineyard than it, or, if it seem good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. And Naboth saith to Ahab, The Lord forbid it me, that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. So Naboth is, he's right here. He has an inheritance for the Lord, the tribes of Israel from going Back to the book of Joshua, the land was divided unto them by lot. That was their inheritance. That's part of the law of Moses. And Ahab is trying to break that. Like our government today, though the principle does not uniformly go across, but we've even seen that here in El Paso. Uh, the city officials of El Paso wanted to build um, a sports arena here in El Paso and and by the way, it hasn't happened even. But they they took housing in an area from people. They haven't even done anything with it. But they took property and through court battles and everything else. You want to know what? When the government wants something, they're just going to take it, right? From the time the Indians roamed this country, which was their land, to now, we still see that. If the government wants your land, that title that you have does not matter. So... Whether it's religion or civil government, we see the same type of problem. Well, here in 1 Kings 21 and verse 4, Ahab came into his house heavy and displeased because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he said, I'll not give the inheritance of my fathers. And he laid him down upon his bed and turned away his face and would eat no bread. So at least at this point, the corrupt king Ahab does not overextend his authority. He, he did, in just the offer, do something wrong. This man's land, by God, belonged to him. But, and I'm not just saying but, the next verse, 1 Kings 21.5, actually says but, Jezebel his wife came to him and said to him, Why is thy spirit so sad that thou eatest no bread? He said unto her, Because I spake unto Naboth the Jezreelite, said unto him, Give me thy vineyard for money, or else, if it please thee, I will give thee another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give thee my vineyard. And Jezebel's wife said unto him, Dost thou now govern the kingdom of Israel? Arise and eat bread, and let thine heart be merry, and I will give thee the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. So, <laughs> she wrote letters in Ahab's name, and sealed them with his seal, and sent the letters of the elders and the nobles that were in his city dwelling with Naboth. She wrote letters saying, Proclaim a fast, and set Naboth on high among the people. And set two men, sons of Belial, which just means wicked men, before him to bear witness against him, saying, Thou didst blaspheme God the king. 
and then carry him out and stone him that he may die. And the men of this city, even the elders and the nobles, which were the inhabitants of the city, did as Jezebel had sent unto them and was written in the letters which she had sent unto them. How terrible. Doesn't this hurt you to hear it? So, verse 12, they proclaimed a fast that Naboth on high among the people. There came to him two men, children of Belial, sat before him. The men of Belial witnessed against him and against Naboth the presence of the people, saying, Naboth did blaspheme God. And the king then did carry him forth out of the city, stoned him with stones that he died. Then they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth is stoned and is dead. came to pass when Jezebel heard that Naboth was stoned and was dead. Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, which he refused to give thee for money. For Naboth is not alive but dead. And it came to pass when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, and Ahab rose up, go down the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, to take possession of it. Crazy, right? I mean, this is just insane. Like, you're not looking at your wife saying, What happened? Nope. Hey, cool. I get my vineyard. Oh, my goodness, folks, right? What in the world is happening here? In verse 17, the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, which is in Samaria. Behold, he is the vineyard of Naboth, whither he has gone down to possess it. And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Hast thou killed, and hast thou taken possession? Thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus the Lord, saith the Lord, in the place where dogs lick the blood of Naboth, shall dogs lick the blood, even thine. And Ahab said to Elijah, Hast thou found me, O enemy? And he answered, And found thee, because thou hast sold thyself to work evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring evil upon thee, and take away the posterity, and will cut off from, from Ahab him that pisseth against the wall, and him that is shut up and left in Israel." And will make thine house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Basha, the son of Ahijah, for the provocation where thou provoked me to anger and made Israel to sin. And of Jezebel also spake the Lord, saying, The dog shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. Him that dieth of Ahab in the city, the dog shall eat. Him that dieth in the field shall the fowls of the air eat. See how the Lord responded to the abuse of authority. Ahab and his wife and the punishment thereof. That's how our Lord looks at people that abuse authority. And again, it comes back to they want something. Not to take care of the people that, 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 that Ahab was supposed to be shepherding. Naboth, his neighbor, love thy neighbor as thyself, right? Not for Ahab. He's supposed to be shepherding him. When Jezebel said what she said, the leader... Number one, none of the situation should have ever existed, like we've already talked about. But the leader of Israel should have looked at his wife and should have said, don't you dare do anything or else. What a shame. Having said all of that, I think it's important that we throw this out too. That while it is most common that people that abuse authority do so for monetary gain. And it may not always be easily visible. It's not always the case. So I don't want you to drop your guard when you look at people abusing authority and think, well, they don't have anything to gain from me. 
Sometimes there's other motives. For example, in 3 John verses 9 through 11, it says, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I remember his deeds which he doeth, praying against us with malicious words, and not content therewith, neither that he himself receive the brethren, forbiddeth them that would, and cast them out of the church. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. There's nothing there that indicates Diotrephes was after monetary gain. The indictment made against him is that he loved to have the preeminence. Sometimes there's just people that want to have authority. And because they want that authority, maybe they don't want money or possessions at all. They just want to be chief. And they'll use their abuse that whatever position of authority that they have to get to that. Well, let's spin everything back into our discussion. When, whether it's from Ezekiel 34 or Jeremiah 23 or Jeremiah 5, other contexts we have read, 1 Kings 21, whatever the motive be, the people that are led by these individuals are led to destruction. In Jeremiah chapter 50 and verse 6, my people hath been lost sheep. Their shepherds have gone, have caused them to go astray. They have turned them away on the mountains. They have gone from the mountain to hill. They have forgotten their resting place. Leaders like this lead people to destruction. Hear this carefully and why this subject is of great importance to you, not just to identify corrupt leadership, not just to understand that it's out there, but to understand that when you follow it, you are not excused by God because you have followed it. Isaiah 9, 16, the leaders of this people cause them to err, and they that are led of them are destroyed. God doesn't protect you because you're a follower. You're held accountable for being a follower. You know all the scriptures that teach us things like 1 Thessalonians 5.21, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good, uh, or to be fruit inspectors, the principle of Matthew 7.15-20. through 20. So I want you to think back. When the government decided that churches ought to close down and Men in leadership positions in churches, whatever they called themselves, we'll just leave that even vague. When they said, we are going to stop assembling. Now listen, the head of the church is Christ, Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. That's never changing. And the head of the church says, you're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, Hebrews 10 and verse 25. And that's never going to change. Whether it is persecution or illnesses or whatever's happening in the world round about us, Christians are supposed to be coming together. In the point of Hebrews 10.25, the destruction of Jerusalem was coming about. And even though the destruction of Jerusalem was coming about, persecution abounded, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The importance of assemble even more frequently as the terrible day comes nearer. Not the opposite. 
Not come together less, come together more. Well, during this time, you know, if you've listened to my podcast or sermons before I started podcasting, sometimes during my workouts, I'll listen to false teachers. And there was a group of three preachers uh, that met in the area of Bay, Arkansas. And they used to get together and they did a podcast. I don't know if they did it any, do it anymore, but uh, back in 2020, uh, these three preachers, uh, uh, Tony, Brock, can't remember the other guy's name. Uh, they're, they're false teachers, but they did podcasts where they talked about this. And apparently, uh, the elders of congregation, the other one or more of them were assembling with, had decided that they were not going to have in-person assembling. Now, there is no such, such thing as virtual assembling. Nonetheless, whatever they decided to do, and the defense that was given as that the elders had the authority to do that. Listen, elders do not have any authority over Jesus Christ. They have and never will have the authority to rule where the scriptures have spoken, nor to teach in which the scriptures have not. It has always been for any person sinful to add or remove from the Word of God. That's Old Testament, Deuteronomy 24, 2, and New Testament, Revelation 22, 18 and 19. The elders had no authority, but they did choose not to stop, start, or I'm sorry, chose to cease assembling for a period of time. Of course, still took collections. They implemented new things like you could drive by the building and pick up your little Lord's Supper kit. All things that, that are clearly violations of the Scriptures, the Lord's Supper is to be taken together, Acts 20, verse 7, so much that you're to tarry for one another, wait for one another, 1 Corinthians eleven thirty three, context of the Lord's Supper. But the excuse of those men and many other during that time was it was the elders' decision. Just recently, there's a false teacher, uh, and, and I was looking at his Facebook page, and he had pictures of their VBS, which is Vacation from the Bible School. <laughs> My little point there. And this guy named Travis Thomas, uh, I asked him, what congregations in the New Testament did this? You can see it on his Facebook feed unless he's deleted it. And how do you know the Lord is pleased with this? And the answer was the elders. So again, these men, these elders have been given the position of Pope. This is just Roman Catholicism. Like we talked about already. Elders do not have that authority. Elders are to shepherd, not according to their own will, but according to the Lord's will. To oversee, not according to their own will, but according to the Lord's will. Well, what we see, 2020, today, 100 years ago, and if the world exists 100 years from now, what you will see is men abusing their authority. Not being shepherds tending to the flock, but shepherds abusing the flock. And when the elders in Israel did this, our Lord said in Matthew 15, 14, let them alone, they be blind leaders of the blind. If the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. If you're following leaders who are leading aside from the scriptures, you are going to be destroyed with them. Don't. Follow them. 
whether they just love the authority, the preeminence, or like is more than not the time and the case, some type of physical gain, don't follow those types of leaders. Now, I want to come around to a positive point before we wrap this podcast up. We have a shepherd. And thanks be to our Heavenly Father, our shepherd is looking out for us, cares for us. You can see it in the fruit of his works and the love of his word and all that he's did. I want to read to you from John chapter 10 about the good shepherd. Very different than the elders and preachers you see today. Very different from the leaders in Israel that we've talked about in this podcast. This shepherd truly cares for the sheep. John 10, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. Don't you think that's interesting? Monetary gain right from the beginning, right? Thief and robber. Let me come back to the text. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own sheep are not, seeth the wolf cometh, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and, have, and know my sheep, and have known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and they shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Jesus is the good shepherd. Unlike the shepherds of the past, his goal is to bring back the sheep. 1 Peter 2.25, you are a sheep going astray, but are now returned to the shepherd and bishop of your souls. He was not and is not after his own interest. Ephesians 5.2 teaches Christians, walk in love as Christ has loved us and has given himself for an offering, a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. His return is not something that we need to be afraid of, but something to look forward to. As the good shepherd, 1 Peter 5, 4, when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Folks, 
There are a lot of men out there looking to lead people away. Keep your sights set on the good shepherd. For all of us, whoever it is listening to this podcast, you have some position of authority. Going back to Genesis 1, even if it's just over the things of the earth, you have some position of authority. And whatever level of authority you have, from top to bottom, you need to remember your role. I want to give you three different texts to think about in conclusion. Luke 17, 7 through 10, which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by when he has come from the field, go and sit down to sit down to meet? Will not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup and gird thyself and serve me? till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he thank that servant because he did the things which were commanded him? I trow not. So likewise ye, when ye have done all those things which are commanded you, say we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which is our duty to do. In 1 Corinthians eleven three. context that through verse 15 deals with authority of man and woman, and why a man is to have short hair and a woman is to have long hair, says, I would have you know, the head of every man is Christ, the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. In Galatians 5, verse 13, For ye, brethren, have not been called into liberty, or you, sorry, for brethren, ye have been called into liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion of the flesh, but by love serve one another. Whatever authority that you have, use it for service. Use it for service. When you grab that and you fully employ it to its right way, you'll not abuse your authority. And the people that you're aiding will not be abused. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope you have some questions. Call me up. 915-525-5794. Email me, brian at wordsoftruth.net. You can visit my website, www.wordsoftruth.net, but I'd much rather talk to you, much rather have a personal impact on your studies. Like it, ask the questions, hard ones. I don't mind easy ones either. We can have a discussion. And listen, listen. You ask me a question, I'm going to give you the answer. I'm not going to argue with you back and forth, back and forth. I'm going to give you the answer. And then you can choose what you do with that answer. It's going to be straight from the Bible, like you've heard in each and every podcast that you've listened to. The opinion of Brian doesn't matter at all. I just want to help you. I hope you'll give me the opportunity to do so. I thank you for listening. And if you can and will, would certainly be glad if you'd come back on Tuesday if all goes according to the plan, the world still stands. Have another podcast available for you then. Thank you so much.